Today on It's Always Something in Philadelphia, the Sixers trade acquisitions and acquisitions out on the NBA trade deadline day. And it's uh, it was a doozy. It was a roller coaster of emotions. We'll also break down just what this means overall for the Sixers and introduce you to what this show is. We'll talk about all that and maybe even get to some of the other Philly sports with the Eagles are doing at the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. Phillies spring training, pitchers and catchers coming, flyers back from their all-star break. We might get in a little bit of all of that, depending on how much time we have. It's going to be very Sixers heavy after what just took place today throughout the first half of the day. So let's just get started. The Sixers, they acquired Buddy Heald, the big move of the day, right? Buddy Heald is now a Sixer. It felt like he's someone who should be on the Sixers or was being rumored to be on the Sixers every single year for the past five to six years. They finally got him. They sent out three second-round picks, Furkan, Korkmaz, and Marcus Morris. And let's just take a second to congratulate, but give our condolences to, to Furkan Korkmaz, who gave out the most polite trade request several times, been on the Sixers for years and years and years, one of the last process-esque players remaining. And he's finally gone. He's been asking out for a long time now. So I'm I'm happy for him that he's going somewhere else. It happens to be Indiana. Do with that information as you will. Um, but for for Furkan, you know, it's I saw a tweet and it, it kind of would have been funny if they would have committed to the bit and just kept him here, you know, against his will, kept him hostage on the Sixers. Clearly, the way the the rest of the deadline panned out, that the Sixers were not in a in a jokey mood and were not doing things for the culture. I'll get to that in a little bit later with uh, with Pat Bev. But Furkan, he's gone. He's with the Pacers. Good for him. Marcus Morris, another guy, a Philly native, got the key to the city. That one, you know, it's sentimentally that stinks to see him go that way. It was a nice story that he was back here. But I think a piece that once we got him, the Sixers got him from the Clippers, you knew they were willing to move on from him. You knew that was something that he wasn't – he was a role player if he was here and if he was moved in a, in a trade for a bigger star, that's something you were willing to make happen. And this was a trade for a star. So let's talk about Buddy Heald. One of, if not – well, not the as the, Steph Curry, but one of the best three-point shooters – in the NBA, I saw the stat that the only person who's made more threes than him in the past several years is Steph Curry. This year, not a down year, a, a bit of, of a lower year in terms of his peak, in terms of percentage. He's a career 40% three-point shooter, shooting at 38% this year. Not too shabby, but a little bit lower. His points per game, if I'm looking at this right now, is a little bit lower than it is uh, than it has been for the past several years. Let me find this exactly here. So he averages 15 points per game. This year, he's at 12. The year before that, he was at 16, 18, 14, 16, 19, 20. This year, down to 12 points per game. So definitely a drop, but he also saw his role kind of change a little bit. He got sent to the bench in the past week with the Pacers. Obviously, Halliburton has made this a different team. They've added some different pieces. And if you look at his minutes, that's sort of reflected that he's only played 25.7 minutes per game this year, whereas in prior years, he was up around that upper 20s to lower to mid 30s number. So I think he is, he's the perfect piece for the Sixers, right? And we'll talk about Joel Embiid in a little bit, but for someone like Embiid, having that sharpshooter, that knockdown three point guy is so crucial. You saw how good JJ Redick was when he was in Philadelphia. Um, just having that two man game, someone that Embiid draws so much attention inside the paint that you can kick it out and have a reliable shooter like that to really spread out the defense. 
he's going to be huge for this team. And, then, and we've joked about it that he's been someone that the Sixers have, or Sixers fans have been saying they want. It's been rumored he was in conversations to be traded to them. It seems like every trade deadline, every offseason for the past several years, and now he is here. I think it's a great move for three second rounds. I mean, not having to give up a first round pick for him, I think is big to keep those first round picks for what I thought would be another big move, which clearly didn't end up being one in, in this trade uh, deadline scenario. But keeping those first round picks, giving up the seconds and two expiring contracts, I think is great. And he's going to do great things for the Sixers when Embiid is healthy, whenever that is. For this meantime period, he will help. He's you know he's a good scorer. He's a three point shooter. He will help in that role. I don't think it's necessarily the 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 star or even the, the star player to complement Embiid and Maxi in terms of being the third guy, nor someone the star player caliber to hold down the fort while Embiid is out with Maxi. I don't think he's quite that piece. But I think it's a great trade deadline acquisition, and, and I think that that is, will do a lot for the Sixers' offense, definitely spreading the ball, having more three-point shooting. The Sixers before this deadline were, I think, fourth to last in three-point attempts per game. But he healed, as we mentioned, one of the best three-pointing shooters, three-point shooters in the game, super high percentage, 40%, shoots a lot of them. This will help a lot with the offense. Great move. And I, I can break down what this all means, or I will break down what this all means in a little bit, but it – this was a move early that told you, okay, the Sixers, they're going all in, right? They believe Embiid's going to be back, and they want to spread the floor, and they want to they want to create an offense that, that can win now. And so they go out and they get Buddy Heald. And that seemed to be the direction where you thought the deadline was going for the Sixers. It, it went the other direction. And when I want to pull up, and I, I've got uh, you know Woj's Twitter still fresh on my feed here because I know the the uh, the trade deadline is, is over at this point, but there's still the buyout market. I want to keep an eye out for some of the people that the Sixers may get, which, again, I'll, I'll break that down in a little bit. But there, there was a trade that happened um, that that kind of told me that the Sixers are not as serious as, as I thought. And it was this trade that the Knicks made. Who, congratulations to the Knicks. Give you your claps. You won the trade deadline. Um, so the Knicks traded. They got... Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. And they gave away Quentin Grimes, Malachi Flynn, Evan Fournier, and Ryan Archie Diacono, Nova alum, and two second round picks, right? And those two guys, Bogdanovich and Burks, were rumored in the past 24 hours that the Sixers could also go in for or were in conversations for another scorer, another backup point guard, backup ball handler, two guys that could help the Sixers. It turned out we saw different reports that the Sixers were not willing to give up as much as the Knicks were. I think. Quentin Grimes was the big piece for the Knicks. And I saw one report that said the Sixers were not willing to give up Tobias Harris. And that's something that the that the Pistons wanted for that move. I don't know if that's true or not. And I'll get on Tobias in, in a little bit. But um, that to me, after we saw the Buddy Heel trade, and then we see this trade that the Sixers were in conversations with, that tells me, or that told me, I don't think the Sixers are as all in or as much buyers as as I think, right? Because I think if they were, they would have really gone after that. Not maybe not given up Tobias, but been a little more competitive. And this tells me the Knicks are. The Knicks can see, hey, the Bucks are still kind of working it out. The Celtics are always a little fluky, and the Sixers. I mean, Embiid is out for at least four weeks, but who knows what they look like after that? So I think the Knicks saw their team was hot. They saw an opening and they jumped on it, whereas the Sixers just. 
in terms of vibe and situation are in the complete opposite scenario. Their MVP candidate is down for at least a month. Half of their depth's been injured. They've lost four or five in a row. It's they're on the complete end of the spectrum. So I think that kind of showed in this acquisition that the Knicks are trending upwards, whether the Sixers are not. And that's why they made this move. So I saw that and I thought, okay, maybe they're not as all in as I was expecting. Right. And then we see, Daniel House, Daniel House, and a second round pick to the Pistons just to clear up cap space, pretty much. Um, there's been a lot of discussion on Twitter about cap space. I am personally not smart enough mathematically to get into all the cap space discussion and, and what it means or cap space availability and under the cap and the threshold and all those big words that I don't know enough about. I'm not going to get into that. Um, but this basically clears up some money. But they trade away Dan House in a second round for space and opening up a roster spot house. Another guy, solid role player. He, he did some good things and some bad things in his time. Kind of when everyone was healthy, wasn't really in the rotation. So I don't know if it's too dramatic of, of a loss. I, I, I can live with that. Um, it's, it's the next one that, that, that hurts. And I think hurt a lot of, uh, a lot of people around Philadelphia, Patrick Beverly traded to the bucks for campaign and a second round pick. Um, you know, it's, it's a weird thing with, with Sixers and Sixers fans and Philly fans, someone like Pat Bev, we just, we love him, right? He was this guy who came in kind of, you know, always underappreciated a little bit of a, of a grinder. He's a dog. And he came in and when we signed him in the off season and we were kind of like, that's an underwhelming sign, you know, that minimum Pat Bev is kind of old. He's, whatever he is. And he just fit the, the culture of the city of this makeup of the team so well with such a positive influence. It seemed like from the outside looking in on the locker room um, and, and on, on the court as well. And he was playing great offensively and he joked, he did an you know, emergency Pat Bev podcast after the trade. And he said, I played too well, you know, I was playing too well. And he's, he's right. He kind of exceeded offensive expectations. And he was a guy with Embiid out and with all these guys out, if he was healthy, you know, he's not taking over games, but he was giving it his all and and running the offense and being a hound on defense and just being a great player. And to lose him, it you know, it, it stinks. There's no other way really to put it. You know, it's not if you look at the X's and O's and, and how much he brings and all that stuff, maybe it's not the worst loss if we get something eventually you know, adequate in return, but it's one that sucks. He was kind of, he became a quick fan favorite. You know, there was tweets every week of whether it was him, you know, cracking a Miller light open at the, uh, at the press conference or just doing something on his podcast or getting in the face of, of, a, of a ref or a player or coaching some of the younger players that like you saw the tweets that would say, he's got to retire a sixer. This man, he was born to play in Philadelphia and he has to retire a sixer. He had his podcast with Roan, who's a Philly guy. And it just seemed like, oh, it felt like such a good fit. And this was kind of like a, a gut wrencher. Just, a, oh, I don't, I don't feel good from that trade. Um, and so, so that trade didn't really leave a lot of good feelings, right, in in Sixers fans, in in my heart. And you know, the, what they're saying, and this goes with the Daniel House thing, that cleared up cap space, and they trade Pat Bev. And it's been rumored for a long time that the Sixers wanted to acquire, or want to acquire Kyle Lowry in the buyout market. And let me again check Woj's. Twitter to make sure they haven't acquired him quite yet. And you knew you don't need Lowry and Pat Bev, right? Two kind of 
older aging guards to be that backup ball handler for you. Um, and you knew you didn't need both of them. I personally would have kept Pat Bev and not tried to get Lowry. That's uh, I, I think at this point in their careers, in their ages, Bev is a better player and brings more to this team. And he's already on this team that has created again, when everyone's healthy and, and we're winning a pretty positive culture here in Philadelphia, obviously like Marcus Morris, um, Kyle Lowry, Philadelphia native would be very cool. He's always wanted to play here. He's won a championship. He's a vet can bring a lot of experience. I, I don't think like, I don't, I don't hate bringing Lowry in if the Sixers end up doing that. And to me, it just seemed like it wasn't, I don't know if if, it, if I would have made that decision is, is what I'm saying. I think I liked what Pat Bev brought. Um, and we Sixers got campaign in that, in the actual trade campaign in the second campaign, um, Cameron Payne, not campaign, like a election Cameron Payne. He's a little better. He's a better uh, outside threat three point shooter than Patrick Beverly is. So he probably is better for this offense. But again, I think it's just like a, terms of what you find on the stat sheet. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of an upgrade in terms of how the offense flows a little bit of an upgrade, but in terms of culture and what he brought to this team and the fan base, I don't love it. Um, on the flip side, I will say the the reaction that I have, and I, you know, I'm part of the problem that most Sixers fans are having. It, it reminds me very much of when TJ McConnell got traded and everyone loved it. He was a grinder. He was, you know, a little undersized, underappreciated, whatever. We're, we're like heartbroken and that's kind of like Philly's mantra. You know, we love the underdog and we kind of latch onto them maybe a little bit too much because I, I think we overvalue the underdog when they maybe aren't bringing that much to your team in terms of production. And I think the same can go for, for Pat Bev. While I loved him and I thought he was great, you know, I think once the once time goes on and we kind of move away from it, we won't be as sad as apathetic about the situation knowing we lost Pat Bev because he's, he's not he's not a game-changing player like like we want him to be but he's he's a fun player to root for and I think we, we latch on to that and kind of ignore the deficiencies because we like their story and we like their chippiness and their underdog mentality and I, I think it's a common trend in in Philadelphia um which we'll, we'll get into the name of this show and the show itself in general but I had so much on my mind about just the, tr the deadline that I wanted to get into that um but Classic, just sort of Philadelphia story. It seems like having that chippy, undersized underdog go away and the city lose their minds, even though he's only played here for four months, and you know he averages you know single-digit points off the bench. But Pat Bev, he will be missed. I don't love the trade. So Pat Bev's gone, and there's minutes ticking down in the trade deadline. You go, okay, they they went all you know, they made a bigish move. Got Buddy Heald. Finally got a star level three-point shooter. You get rid of house, create some cap space. You trade Pat Bev to a division rival. Okay, what are you gearing up for? Maybe you're going to go all in and, and get that backup center in Andre Drummond, and this was the way you needed to do it. Or there was someone else maybe you were making a late play for DeJounte Murray. I don't know. Five or so minutes, 10 minutes to go in the deadline. Nothing's happening. And then they trade Jaden Springer to the Celtics for a second-round pick. Uh, <laughs> this one's the head scratcher. And if we're being honest, Jaden Springer, you kind of knew he's someone that you wanted to play enough to make him juicy in a trade for a star, right? If you're going to go get a star, 
you want to say, hey, here's our couple first round picks. Here's a couple expirings. And hey, maybe here's a young player with upside, right? If you're going to acquire a star, whoever that is, Paul George, Murray, uh, OG before the trade, Siakam, whatever. So I, I think, you know, at least in my mind, back of my mind, like, yeah, Springer, he'll, he'll probably be, be traded. He's been here a couple of years and hasn't seen a lot of minutes up until the past two weeks. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of expected. But then the whole lineup's depleted and beads out. Half far wings are out. So Springer is playing a ton of minutes and offensively still looks confused, still looks sporadic, but he looks better, right? And he's playing amazingly defensively he's a hound he's shutting down Luca and Steph and Jordan Clarks he's just he's playing fantastic defense and you can see he's raw and needs to be molded and he's still only what like 20 years old 21 years old we got him the Sixers drafted him when he was 18 so there's still so much upside and to trade him to your arch rival in the Celtics for relatively nothing I mean a second round pick Ah, that's 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 the knife in the heart right there. After the Pat Bev trade to a division rival, then to your arch historic rival in the Celtics, who you always lose to, and you're always on the, the bad ends of trades. I mean, just like the the Fultz and Tatum stuff always bubbles up, and you, you know, I I don't know where Springer fits on this Boston rotation on this team if he even sees the court at all. But if I know anything about Philadelphia sports and Philadelphia karma. Um, he's going to be a great Celtic. He's going to flourish and he'll, he'll make an impact, whether it's this year, next year, or the year after that. Um, just kind of confusing. Just, I don't know. I don't understand. You know, you had him play all these minutes because we, we, he needed to, the team needed it. You were so depleted and you get him in and he looks great defensively. Offense still needs a ton of work and sure his value went up, but it's not like you use that value to include it for a, a big trade. You just traded him to your rival for a second round pick. It doesn't make any sense. Um, so what does it all mean? What does this say about the Sixers and where they're heading, where they're going, and, and what they believe in in terms of this team and Joel Embiid's injury? And what all this tells me is they don't, and Daryl Morey does not truly believe Embiid will be back. He will be 100%, and they are title contenders this year. This tells me they want to make some moves, get Buddy healed. Maybe, you know, some stuff um, with, with Kyle Lowry, or I saw some things with um, some other players right now that they could, they could pick up and they could do some things, maybe even like bring Danny Green back, whatever, and be like good enough if Embiid's healthy to kind of be a fine team in the playoffs. But this is them saying, we're looking at next year. That was sort of the plan last offseason. And then the Sixers played better than we thought. And Tyrese Maxey emerged as an all-star. And everyone said, hold on, wait a minute. This team is legit. And Joel Embiid was an even better MVP candidate. And everyone said, okay, this team, they're just a star away. No, maybe not even a star. Maybe they're just a backup point guard and like more help at center and more shooting away from a title, whatever. Injuries ravaged the team. And that's not the case. And, and I think this was Maury in the front office not punting, punting is the wrong word, but kind of halfway, you know, one foot, one out, doing enough to look like they're trying and they have the pieces to try for this year, but really putting all their chips or most of their chips into next year, getting someone in free agency, Buddy healed. He's a free agent. They could 
offer him a contract or re-sign him in the offseason. There's rumors that rumors for a while that Paul George is someone they want to get this offseason. It's not the best free agent class this offseason, but that seems to be they're going to have millions and millions in cap space. So that seems to be the plan. That's what I take from this is that they are looking forward to next year, next season, because they just don't know what Joel Embiid they're going to get back. He'll be reevaluated in four weeks. So a month from now, he'll be evaluated, right? And then maybe two weeks, three weeks after that, he gets back into play, but he's a little sluggish. And then it's sort of the same old story that we see in the playoffs with Embiid battling either through an injury or in this case, it'd be through a recovery when he's probably shouldn't be back yet playing maybe at 60, 65%. And it's most likely a second round exit. So um, overall, I mean, I, I don't want to give it like a, a, a grade, but it, it's, I, I like the move for Buddy Heald. I think that's kind of an undisputable good move. The other ones don't make a lot of sense to me, even if they end up picking some up some people, a, a Lowry, a Spencer Dinwiddie, a whoever, a Danny Green. I just it makes them better. They're they're a better shooting team, that's for sure, and they might be a little older and have more experience. Um, it doesn't give me a burst of confidence that okay, if and when Embiid comes back and if he's healthy enough, then yeah, this team can compete and beat the Bucks, beat the Knicks, beat the Celtics, and then beat whoever comes out of the West. That does not give me that confidence. Um, but I mean, vibes are all time low with all the injuries with Embiid and everyone else playing the way they have with their health issues it's uh it's kind of what you expect so not the best trade deadline for what we were hoping but i think the season in the past couple weeks has taken that turn where there was only so much positive you could expect now that i got all of that off my chest let me introduce myself and and tell you about this show because it is the first episode so my name is noah chast if you can see in the little bar down there if you watched on youtube if not hello my name is noah I'm from the Philadelphia area. I'm a television sports anchor reporter, um, but you probably know me best because I'm the guy who asked Nick Castellanos the Scooby-Doo question at the All-Star Game. That's sort of my claim to fame, uh, especially claim to Philly fame right now. Um, so I'm starting this podcast, this show with the Believe Network. Thank you to Believe for bringing me on and letting me host this show. I'm super excited to to share just Philadelphia News, content, discussion, all this, those things. I'll, I'll have guests on. I'll break down games, trade deadlines, whatever it is. Um, and I, I named the show It's Always Something in Philadelphia, a clear homage to one of my favorite TV shows of all time. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I thought this was a good name, you know, a little wordplay on their title because if you're a true Philly sports fan, you know it's – it's always something, right? There's always something that happens. And I think for the Sixers, they embody this more than any other team just in the process Joel Embiid era, right? There's always something. Someone forgets how to shoot. It's a freak injury. It's a nut allergy. It's a bad trade. It's a burner account. It's whatever it is. There's always something that makes it strange. Oh, hit the mic. So that is what inspired the name. Um, and uh, I will talk about all the Philly teams. This was Sixers heavy today, of course, because of the deadline. But we'll talk Eagles. We'll talk Phillies, Flyers, Union. I'll even get some Union talk, show some love to the footballers out there. Um, I'll break it all down. And my number one goal, and you can see it you know, in, in my little bio description, is to, to be a Philly 
sports media personality, journalist, reporter, host, entertainer, whatever, that doesn't hate the athletes and the teams. There's a, a fun phrase that a, a good friend, Josh Reynolds, who you might see on this show at some point, likes to, to tweet out whenever there's a just abhorrent tweet or quote or clip from Philly sports media that says nobody hates Philly sports athletes more than Philly sports media. And nobody hates Philly sports media more than Philly sports fans. And my goal is to not fall in that category of media that the fans hate because I hate the players or the teams. I just hope to provide analysis, entertainment, and, and a little bit of fun and information all at the same time. So that's, that's my goal uh, for you guys here with this show. Um, and I appreciate you listening. Make sure you, you download, subscribe, like all that dumb stuff that we need to do to make this show make money. Anyway, um, I think I'm going to wrap it up for today because I've spoken a lot. You've heard me yap, a lot of yapping today. Um, I didn't get to any of the things I want to talk about with the other teams. Um, I can break that down maybe maybe after the Super Bowl, maybe before. Um, Eagles look like they're having a good time over there. Jason Kelsey is just the, the most fun human being bottled up into one out there playing blackjack with Burt Kreischer and Tom Segura and the bustle with the boys crew. Vegas looks like fun. Uh, Jalen Hurts looks like he had a good time in the Pro Bowl. Him, Kelsey, and Graham were on the uh, Abbott Elementary <laughs> Season 3 opener. So that's super fun. Glad to see they're having fun. I'll get more into what happened in this season that was not so fun, maybe another episode, but good for them for enjoying their off season. Um, Flyers got a win out of the all-star break. Hopefully they can get another one tonight. Phillies pitchers and catchers coming soon. I'll have a lot more on both those teams. Union season starting up pretty soon. So I'll break that all down, but thank you guys for listening. Appreciate it. And I'll see you next time.